especially words in verse 38. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? We know that the scriptures lay much emphasis on um, the calling of God through the gospel. And um, that they lay corresponding emphasis on the importance of this call to each individual. Hence, one of the things we are especially exhorted to do is to make our calling sure. Now, reading the scriptures, we see that the Lord in all ages used various means for calling sinners to himself. But while the means varied, the call ultimately was unto Jesus. It was a call to himself. As it is written, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Now seeing that this is of such importance, and that we ought to be concerned therein, we find that men and women often have disturbing thoughts concerning their own call. It is so easy to compare ourselves with others. It is so easy to say, well, I am quite different from this one and quite different from that one. And of them I am persuaded that they are called. And seeing therefore I am so different, the conclusion I come to is that I do not know at all the call of the Lord as they know it. Now the Lord in his compassion knew from the beginning that there would be such thoughts in the minds of men and women. And he has made abundant provision for this. If we take but this chapter itself, the very opening chapter of this gospel, we find that the Lord 
used various means for calling his disciples to himself. He did not follow the same pattern in every case. It was the same, of course, in this, as we have indicated, that it was always a call to himself. And the essence of that call of the essence of that call taking effect mightily and effectually is this that it leads the heart to seek it leads the heart to seek the Lord when thou did say says the psalmist when thou did say seek ye my face then my heart replied, Thy face, O Lord, I will seek. Now of these two disciples, we read that they heard John speak. They were disciples of John the Baptist. And they heard him speak. As he looked upon Jesus and said, and he said, that is, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is John's testimony. And on the basis of that testimony, these two disciples followed Jesus. The Lamb of God. They followed him. And they followed him without making any noise about it. And they followed him to learn more. They followed him because there was something which they wanted to ascertain. I don't know that it would have been very easy for themselves to explain why they followed. But in any case, as we see them following Jesus, them too, we might say, too shy to speak to him, and too preoccupied with what they were doing, to say anything about it to anyone else. They follow him, but he sees them. He turned round and asked them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, where he turned round and said unto them, What seek ye? Now that is a most important question for us all. It was for them, and it is for everyone 
to whom the gospel of the grace of God comes. In passing we might comment on the insignificant beginning of um, the spiritual life of these two disciples. Insignificant in the sense that there were no fanfares, there was nothing to indicate what was fraught in this. They are just like two shy children coming after the master, not knowing very well why or what they should answer him when he would address them, if he would take notice of them at all. What seek ye? It is of course taken for granted that whatever man does, he does for a reason. That man acts rationally, that he simply doesn't do things, not knowing anything about, led away, as it were, by instinct. This is one of the characteristics of man which distinguishes him from the, char the characteristic that distinguish him from the lower creation. When Jesus saw them following, he knew there was a reason for it. Even if they themselves could not clearly state that reason. But they were able to say this much at least. Where a dwellers dwellers are. Nevertheless, there is that indication of the rationality of our conduct. That whatever we do, we do for some reason or other. We may first of all think of this as a question addressed to each one of ourselves. As we in some sense or other profess to follow Jesus. That is the meaning of our being here. Whether we know it or not. And when the Lord addresses us directly and pointedly. What seek ye? It is good. If we are able. In some measure. And to some degree, to answer that question. Now then, what do we see? What seek ye? And each one of the words of this question can be emphasized in turn. What? What is it? Now we know that 
the interests of men are varied. That some seek this and some seek that. There is no unanimity among men as to what they seek. One pursues this, another pursues that. But in the last analysis, there are but two pursuits. We seek one of two things. We seek the creature, or we seek the creator. There is no other possibility. There is no other alternative. And this is true of all our activities. In them we either seek the glory of the creature or the glory of the creator. Now he that searches the heart knows what we see. He doesn't ask us the question because he doesn't know. But he asks the question that our own interests and our own search might be placed for us in the proper perspective. What? Now the answer of these two disciples is very much to the point. It wasn't that they sought something. It wasn't that they were desirous of um, glory for themselves either directly or indirectly at this particular juncture. All they have to say in answer to that question is where dwelleth the... And the thought of course behind that question is distinct enough. We want to know where thou dwellest. And of course the intention is that they would come to him. They wanted to have more of his company. They wanted to hear from him. They wanted him to explain certain difficulties to them. They wanted to be with them. Where well as though this is what they wanted. Though the Lord says of all, as he said, to the angel, to the women at the tomb on the morning of the resurrection. But rather as the angel said to them, Fear not ye, for I know 
that ye seek Jesus, who was crucified. I know that ye seek him, and because ye seek him, then fear not. The earth may tremble, the heavens may pass away as a scroll, and be folded up as a garment, but this remains eternally true, unchanged and unchangeable, that those who seek Jesus need not fear. Why? The everlasting arms are underneath them. They are protected by omnipotence. They have a refuge in God himself. He has undertaken in a sure word of promise to be a wall of fire round about them and the glory in their midst. But all others have reason to fear. It is not the uh, dictator or the figment of a diseased imagination that the sinner should fear, that he should fear the wrath of God, that he should fear the fierceness of that anger. It is uh, but plain common sense that this should be so. But it is common sense that is exceedingly uncommon. So we are left in this position. There is either reason to fear or there is no reason to fear. And our position in relation to these two is determined infallibly by what we see. What seek ye? And that what is turned to whom see That is the way in which the disciples answered it. Where dwelleth the... In other words, we seek thee. That's what we seek. Now it might have been very difficult, we repeat, for them 
that we give um, logical reasons for the seeking. And so it is in all ages. So it is now. There are those who seek Jesus. And who seek him because the Lord has touched their heart. And yet it is very difficult for them to put in logical form why or how they came to seek him. And that is why we said at the beginning that there are so many, even of those who truly and consistently seek him, who often come to the conclusion but because their case is not like the case of so-and-so, then that they do not seek truly at all. We know that God is not only the God of order, but he is also the God of variety. Perhaps there is nothing more interesting in the works of God than their variety. There is no sameness in God's work, either in nature or in grace. When you think that in a forest of innumerable trees, no two leaves are identical. Each leaf has its own peculiar characteristic. It's an individual. It is something by itself. And when we see the snowdrops falling, at first sight they all appear to be the same, but it is a fact that no two of them are the same. Even when they come down thick and fast, in thousands, in millions, no two are exactly the same. Each has its own, shall we say, its own distinctive characteristics. And as that is so in nature, it is the same in grace. No two Christians are exactly the same. No two persons are exactly the same. And the devil takes um, advantage of our hankering after sameness. We would like to be exactly like so-and-so. Or how comforting it would be if we could compare, if we could compare favorably with this person or that person or the next person. And what do we want when we, when we think like that? We want sameness. We want the loss of individuality. No, there is nothing like that at all, we say. 
in the works of God. Nothing like that at all. So rather than be perturbed about our dissimilarities from, from, from other people, let us pursue the matter as it ought to be pursued. Let us face this question squarely. What seek ye? And let us notice that this is not something that occurred in the experience of these men after they had followed the Lord for a long time. It was the very beginning of their experience concerning him. It is then he asked this question. What seek ye? What? Hmm. Now there is but one right answer to that question. There are many answers, but, but only one right one. And there can be but only one right one. And the right one is, Thy face, O Lord, I will seek. Now is this true of ourselves in any measure at all? Now let us notice that the next word, seek, implies that one is uh, willing to go to considerable inconvenience in order to obtain what one is seeking. The slugger desires and has nothing. You remember when the shepherd went out to seek and to save the sheep, he was willing to go to a good deal of trouble to do this. You remember when the woman lost the coin? She was willing to go to a good deal of trouble. She lit a candle. She swept the house. Yes, she did everything that should be done in such circumstances to find what she had lost. And she found it. Now when a person really seeks, he is willing and of necessity must be willing to go to some trouble to find what he seeks. Hence the first question that is to be determined here is, do we seek anything at all? in relation to God and our soul. How much trouble, in other words, are we prepared to go to in order to find? These men followed Jesus and notice this is the only thing that could be done at this time in those circumstances. 
We know that afterwards they did a good deal more. But right now, all that could be done was to follow him. To go where he was. To find him. To have fellowship with him. And so it is always, of course. Those who seek Jesus, who was crucified, are willing to use the means which God has appointed for the end, or to this end, of finding him. And see how gracious his words are. He spoke to them saying, What seek ye? And immediately they replied, He says to them, Come and see. Come and see. It is always the same in his dealings with men. In God's calling of his people, it is always the same. He says, come and see. Come and see. There are certain things that cannot be explained. There are certain things that can only be seen. Be looked upon. And you remember, this is the very way in which John, in his first epistle, states, his own experience, he says, that which we have seen and heard, that declared we unto you, that your fellowship may be with us, for truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Jesus Christ. Come and see. And this is uh, <clears throat> the same, at least, or very, very near to what the psalmist had said long ago. Oh, taste and see that God is good. Where dwellest thou? You remember how Job brings this point forcibly to our attention when he says, Oh, that I knew where I might find Then I would come to his place. I would fill my mouth with arguments. I would plead with him, and he would strengthen me. And that is exactly what these two disciples say. Where can we find thee? Where dwellest thou? 
Now the Lord has made himself known in the gospel of his grace. We know that God is to be found in Jesus Christ and nowhere else. It is the dictate of madness to look for him anywhere else as the God of grace, the God whom we need, the God who is able to do in us and for us, exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. This God is in Christ, for here, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Come and see. They found that he took notice of, of them sooner than they had anticipated. Insignificant and unimportant as they felt themselves to be coming after him, he took notice of them. He invites them to what they want, and he gives exceedingly, exceeding abundant, above what they could ask or they come and see and of course they came with him and they abode with him that night for it was about the tenth hour that is about four o'clock in the afternoon according to our time and they abode with him and don't you think that they were amply rewarded and recompensed for coming after him. Certain I am that that was their own impression, that that was their own judgment to sit with him, but for a moment to have communion with him for a split second. This was more, infinitely more than all the trouble to which we can go in order to find him. It is true of Christ even here that when he says, come and see, and it is himself he reveals. Come and see. That we say more than compensates for any and for all the trouble that anyone can take to find him. That is true even here. As it is true when he calls his church home to himself. They will forget the instant they are brought into his presence. They will forget the trouble, the difficulty, the persecution, and everything else they suffered for his sake. They will forget it in this sense. 
that they will see that he was worthy more than worthy of all that could be suffered for his name's sake come and see they came and saw where it, where it was and they abode with now he sat before us as the apple tree among the trees of the wood under whose shade the church sits down and partakes of his fruit and that is what we are called in the sure word of the gospel in his own words say come and see the way is open everything is ready and the Lord sends out his glorious and sovereign invitation saying come come and see and if we don't come and see the hindrances in ourselves not in God's provision not in God's way it is that our eyes are blinded and cannot see it is we who stand in the own light For nothing could be more free than the word of the Lord saying, Come and see. Come and see myself. Come and be with me. Be with me here and hereafter. And that is exactly what the gospel says before. That is the blessing and the blessedness of the gospel of the grace of God. That it is his own word saying, Come and see. As was said on another occasion, Stand ye here and see the salvation of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, blessed one, grant us to hear thy word and to respond thereto. May it be accompanied with power in our soul that we may behold what thou art that our heart may go out after thee more and more and that it shall be true of us that we seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified but who is risen from the dead and is set down on the right hand of the majesty in the heavens all authority and power being put under him all draws to thyself 
Blessed was thy word, and graciously forgive our sins in speaking and in hearing. O Lord, come over our provocation, and bless what is thine own, and graciously accept of us in Christ, and thou shalt have the praise. Amen. Psalm 106 <clears throat> at the beginning Psalm 106 at the beginning Give praise and thanks unto the Lord For bountiful is he His tender mercy doth endure unto eternity God's mighty works who can express Or show forth all his praise Blessed are they that judgment keep and justly do always. Remember me, Lord, with that love which thou to thine dost bear. With thy salvation, O my God, to visit me draw near, that I thy chosen scoot may see and in their joy rejoice, and may with thine inheritance I am with cheerful voice. Psalm 106, the first four stanzas. Give praise and thanks unto the Lord. Amen. 